0: Hello and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. I am not Natasha Moscarenas. My name is Alex and I am here because she is not feeling well, but this is our Wednesday show where we niche down to a single topic, unpack it and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Today we are talking about all things creator economy and even though I do not have Natasha, I do have Amanda Silberling with me today. Amanda, say hello to the people.
1: Hello, I am almost as good as Natasha, but the listeners will just have to deal with me today.
0: I mean, I think we're both almost as good as Natasha. So really, it's kind of like two diet Pepsis sitting in one cooler. That's how you and I are today.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. It's like you really want that like crisp, sweet Coke, but then there's just some Diet Cokes and you're like, well, I guess this will do.
0: I I do actually have a Diet Coke in my fridge and it's been sitting there for like months now. And I'm like, do I I throw it out? Because no one's going to touch it. Diet Coke, by the way, if you're listening to this, is disgusting. But sadly, Amanda, we did not have you on the show to talk about the important ranking of all things carbonated, even though it is, as you said earlier, fizzy water week, uh, thanks to Liquid Death. Instead, we had you on because we're talking about creator-focused startups, a part of the technology world that you are an expert in. And the overall question that we're going to ask today is, how are platforms in the space responding to the new creator landscape? And the gist of this is that it appears that the financial situation is changing and that what was once a very hot sector is now a bit in the doldrums. So setting the scene, how are creators doing today?
1: It's interesting that you use the phrase doldrums because I feel like that's kind of like every industry right now where we were in a period where venture capital was flowing like liquid death, fizzy water at a straight edge punk show, if you will. And- Now that has slowed down, but I don't think that it's as much of a bad omen for creators as it might seem. You've written about this, and we know from data from Crunchbase, from the information, etc., that there has been a significant slowdown in the venture capital money going toward creator economy companies. This time last year, we were at about one and a third billion dollars of investments into creator economy startups, and now this quarter there's been like two-thirds of a billion, I'm just estimating, but it's definitely gone down, and my thought is that this is a natural correction of oversaturation, and I think that the most savvy creators kind of knew already that all these new startups popping up claiming to be the next big thing and helping them was kind of not the most trustworthy thing in the world.
0: So on the point of oversaturation, that's actually, that rings very true to me because I remember back when the creator economy was one of the hottest parts of startup land that there were sarcastic tweets of people saying, look, there are now more creator economy startups than there are actual creators. And we all kind of laughed about that, he, he, he. But in retrospect, the idea of oversaturation seems to be kind of, frankly, legion in the space. Uh, but Amanda, there's there's a couple different axes here that we're looking at. One is an overall economic shift that hits everything. To your earlier point about everything being in the doldrums, ad incomes are down, ad rates are down, sponsorship money is down, and then there's also a decline in the amount of venture capital available to creator-focused startups. Now, to me, those are interrelated yet distinct things. But I'm curious, which one, in your mind, is 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 more important today when we think about kind of the health of the individual creator?
1: I think that the most important thing to me would be pure consumer spending. In my brain, a healthy creator business would look like you have some ad revenue from YouTube, etc. You have some kind of membership platform like a Patreon. You have some brand deals, maybe you're selling merch or another product. You're going to have all these different revenue streams, and some of that is tied into ad revenue, which we know is posing a big problem to social platforms. Like, all the big social platforms in their quarterly revenue calls, they're like, oh yeah, ad revenue's down because of the war in Ukraine, and... That's been a common trend. And also just the fact of, like, let's say that you have a monthly payment from your Patreon, and maybe some of your patrons are in a different financial situation than they were a year ago, and they have to make the difficult decision that maybe the $10 a month that they're giving to you could be better spent on groceries or whatever then that would impact a creator. But I also think that when people are making financial decisions to cut out things, it might not be entertainment that goes first.
0: Interesting. I mean, we've heard a lot about the impact of inflation on people. So there's actually kind of a double part to the macro question of where is the creator economy? One is an economic slowdown impacting certain things like ad incomes. The other being that folks might be squeezed from other directions. And so individual consumer contributions to the creator economy could be falling down. That seems to bring startups more closely into this conversation, because when I think about creator economy startups that have scaled, obviously, Patreon is you know at or towards the top. But there were a bunch of other companies that were trying different methods of connecting sponsors to creators and so forth. Are, are those companies going to be able to kind of live through this winter period? Or is the falling in venture capital amounts going to actually force them to either consolidate or shut down? That's what I'm trying to kind of figure out, because I hope that they make it, frankly, just for the sake of keeping creators eating to a degree.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is also just how many companies do you need that are connecting sponsors with Instagram influencers? Like (laughs) there are so many, like I kind of like, I've joked with like other writers in this space at TechCrunch. It feels like every day I get an email pitching me a startup that just raised funding to connect sponsors with content creators. And like, yeah, like competition fuels the market, blah, blah, blah. But like, do you need like 20 of them?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, this is actually another thing we've seen out in and around the startup world, I think more generally, which is that there was so much money in so many different markets that we saw more companies founded to chase similar or related or overlapping ideas than we might in a more normal economic time. So perhaps the concept of oversaturation, thinking about how did we get here today, maybe. Just not only too many companies chasing a relatively small TAM, but also too many chasing the same part of that TAM and winding up stepping on each other's toes to a a material degree. Because to actually answer your question, how many of those companies do we need to connect sponsors to Instagram influencers? The answer is two, three, maybe, I don't know, five tops. Like it's not 50. In
1: some ways, it's like, obviously, those startups optimize that process of if you are a vegan cookie brand and you want to find vegan influencers then maybe it's easier to type into one of these programs like what's your database of like vegan influencers versus like just looking for people on Instagram itself but like again just how many of those do you need yeah i kind of noticed this trend last year where it seemed like there are so many creator economy startups and we know statistically from being people who work adjacent to startups that the majority of startups don't make it. True. So when you're asking independent creators who are going out and taking a risk by starting a creative business as a solo entrepreneur to trust you and your company to operate their business, then I feel like you're you do need to have a bit of a backup plan to make sure that if your company does fold, then what's going to happen, which I know we've mentioned on a past episode of Equity that something that I ask any creator startup when I talk to them now is, if everything goes horrible and you can't run the company anymore, where do you leave creators?
0: Yeah, yeah. So funding for these companies has gone down. The macroeconomic situation has dried up advertising. Individual consumers are more stressed. It seems to be kind of like a, almost like, an unfair moment for creators. But we also know people are still out there. They're still building things. And so they still have to pick a platform often to to invest into. And there seems to be kind of two types of these when I think about them. One is the mega platforms, you know, Meta, aka Facebook, had a platform to, for example, make newsletters. And they announced this week that that's going away. Yeah. So there's platform risk there. But if you pick a smaller company, then there's also risk that they might die. It feels like if you're a creator, it's a little bit damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you go full indie, you spin up a ghost, you sell your own ad deals, you know, you do your own Instagram promos, whatever it is, um, you're taking on a lot more overhead costs. But if you use platforms as a way to make your life easier, to more focus on the content creation part of being a creator, you're taking on platform risk. And so, you know, what's a creator to do these days apart from just maybe pray that the technology they're leaning on doesn't disappear from underneath them? But it doesn't seem there's a lot of places you can trust in the market.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think even though like Patreon has had layoffs, I wouldn't say that I'm afraid that Patreon's not going to be a company in like three years. True. Sure. True. True. I mean, now I'm like, oh God, what if that was the case? But companies naturally go through ups and downs, and this is a really challenging time for a lot of companies right now. But then even I'm interviewing the CEO and chief strategy officer of OnlyFans at Disrupt, and I had a call with them last week where we were just kind of going over some stuff to prepare for our talk, and they told me that they haven't really seen any downturn in the amount of money that consumers are spending on OnlyFans. They're saying that it's only gone up. So I guess, I mean, people are still spending money on creators, maybe a particular kind of creator, but creators
0: nonetheless. I was going to (laughs) say, let's go ahead and dance around this carefully. But I would presume that certain types of content creation are more durable in economic ups and downs than others. I bet people's patronage of painters might be more uh, macro dependent than other things. And that's probably a reasonable point to think about because we're talking about creators very broadly from poets on Patreon to YouTubers on Google's platforms to other folks and OnlyFans. It's it's a broad mix. I have a hypothesis though about, about the moment we're in in the creator world. And it, it's this, even if we hadn't known that we were going to hit this period of macroeconomic uncertainty, even if we didn't know before that ad revenue would fall off a cliff, even if we didn't know before that sponsorship money would dry up, didn't we all kind of think that the level of attention that online creators had during the pandemic had to recede as folks went back outside? So couldn't we actually have predicted this to, if not this extent, a material degree and perhaps better prepped? Or It feels like everyone's shocked at a thing that is more extreme than we expected, but could have been anticipated at least somewhat.
1: Yeah, I think there's so many big creators that got their break during the pandemic, and a lot of those people are still huge. Like, I'm thinking of Dream SMP, the Minecraft YouTube collective, where they started during the pandemic, and then this week, the guy Dream did a face reveal because he was anonymous before that, and like, he's still super relevant and relevant enough that everybody's talking about his face. Yeah. Which I have a lot more to say about that. That is not totally relevant here, but basically be nice to people on the internet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We we really need to have a a separate equity kind of like sideshow about how to not be a jerk on the internet because the dream face reveal was such a big deal on the online spaces that even I had to go figure out what the hell was going on. And I had never heard of this person until recently. So it was a, it was a splash and not a polite one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean,
1: I went to VidCon in June, and there was a Dream SMP panel, and it was like you had Justin Bieber in there, except it was like Minecraft YouTubers. But I mean, clearly, like, people are still, like, super excited about these creators, and I think that maybe just entertainment generally is shifting. I think that we did kind of know that, yeah, maybe people are more prone to pay for digital content when they can't go outside, but... I don't know. I still subscribe to a lot of podcasts on Patreon because I want their bonus content and I listen to a lot of podcasts.
0: So to me, that underscores the continuing use case for what we might call the utility rails of the creator economy. Back to your earlier point, Patreon's going nowhere. It's got enough inertia that will always persist in some form because folks like your kind self are out there putting their dollars to work through their conduits. Good. Fair enough. Here for it. But not every platform has such a clear priority. And sometimes I feel like there's a tension between a technology service and the creators on the platform. I'm thinking about Twitch and the recent changes to its monetization that we saw and the very polite reaction from their community. Um, (laughs) But when we think about startups that are trying to survive and and platforms more generally, what are their future priorities? Like, are are they going to focus more on self sufficiency and survival on their side? Are they going to try to make creators healthier? Like, where do you see the companies themselves pushing next?
1: I always feel most assured by startups that have the model of we only succeed if the creators on our platform succeed. So businesses like Patreon are like that, for example, where Patreon's revenue comes from if somebody gives me $10, then a certain fraction of that is going back to Patreon. So Patreon has an incentive for people to give me money because then I give them money and I only give them money if I'm getting money. So I think that when there is an alignment in mission between the creators that use the platform and the platform itself, then I think those companies tend to be more successful because it's a powerful thing to have an aligned goal.
0: I'm giggling because what you've just done there is describe... In a particular context, the idea of aligned incentives, which is actually a concept that venture capitalists have have talked my ear off about for like 700 years. And so here you are kind of just mapping out how important it is in this context. And I'm like, yes, Amanda, uh, I didn't know you were heading the VC route.
1: Oh, man, I'm going to be the next TC to VC person. Oh, God. Just kidding. Oh. I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, <laughs> I studied poetry.
0: Studied philosophy. <laughs> uh, also, I don't want to go be a VC. I, that's, that's, can you imagine doing more meetings? Like I know. I already do so many meetings. Oh, pass. I
1: pass. I like to sh- post about Elon Musk.
0: <laughs> Yesterday, I wrote a long diatribe about fizzy water. Oh, yeah. No VC got to do that. Ha! This actually brings us to the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is options for creators going forward. And we just made a couple of of jokes for fun about why we like what we do. But I think fundamentally that energy won't stop. Creators will keep creating. Now, you and I happen to work for a publication and on a team that's owned by another company that's owned by a different company. And so, you know, we're somewhere in corporate land. You know, media. You know, media. But a lot of creators are are indie and they're not like us. They're not part of a uh, corporate megalith. And so... Where do you think creators are going to go next? Are they going to focus more on building their own channels and so forth? Or are they going to stick to the YouTubes and Twitches and stay kind of bone grafted to big tech?
1: I think, unfortunately, I don't see companies like YouTube and Twitch not being part of a creator's revenue pie in five years. But I think that the most valuable resource that a creator has is their relationship with their fans. If you have that relationship, then your fans want to keep paying you $5 a month and they feel like they're getting their money's worth. Like, a podcast that I like, Games and Feelings, shout out, does like a patron-only podcast and I think it's really funny and I'm like very willing to give them $5 a month to listen to that content. Yeah. And... I also feel like I would rather spend money on that than on, like, Netflix, where it's a big corporation that's always being to its workers, and are they even that good of a streaming platform anymore? I keep bringing up my own spending because I am a consumer and a creator at the same time. But yeah, I mean, I think that the best thing creators can do is diversify their income streams so that maybe if Patreon does disappear suddenly, they can recover from that, also, a key thing about Patreon is that they give you the email addresses for anyone subscribed to you. So like if Patreon did go kapoof, you could still contact all of your people. Whereas if Twitter went kapoof, then I don't like people don't know where to find me.
0: Oh, no, if Twitter dies, now that Elon is apparently going to buy it, um, I don't have a career. So let's hope Twitter stays around. But what's interesting about your, your bit of commentary there is that it sounds like something we could have said in January of this year or last June. And people have been saying this for years and it's still true. For sure. But it's disappointing that, and I don't mean this about what you said, but about the market more generally, that the only advice to give out is spread your eggs wide. Try to have many baskets, you, the individual creator, which means that they have to do six jobs at once and um, hope that it all kind of shakes out in your favor once the economy recovers. Uh, You you would almost hope that for all the money that went into this space, the billions that we talked about at the top of the show, That we would have somehow made it further towards a more sustainable creator life. But we're still talking about celebrity Minecraft panels at VidCon versus lots of folks in many niches that are more, frankly, small, finding their own way forward. It still seems as shaky as it was.
1: This is also why I'm not going to pursue a career in venture capital, because um, here's a secret. I don't think that venture capital is often the best solution to problems like this.
0: I think that's that's pretty right. And uh, just guessing your reasoning behind that, is, is is it just because creator economy startups will have more linear growth, perhaps, and also because they need to take care of their creators to maintain relevancy, they can't extract as much value and ergo aren't as venture backable as businesses themselves?
1: I feel like it seemed like a lot of the companies that were getting funding in that big boom, it sort of felt like, we're just going to capitalize on Charlie D'Amelio is super famous now and she's just a random 18-year-old from Connecticut. Or like, I feel like people are just looking at, wow, Charlie D'Amelio is making $18 million a year and not like, okay, well, what about um, My friend who makes a couple thousand dollars a month on Instagram, but then also is like in grad school and is kind of using creator stuff to help pay her rent while she's in school, but it's not like making her crazy rich. Yeah. And um, those are the creators I'm more interested in, which I guess the economic word is like the long tail of creators where... There's not really, like, I feel like I'm doing, like, VC talking points, but something that is a big concern in the creator economy right now is that there's not so much of a creator middle class, so to speak. But I also don't think that's totally true. Like, if you can pay your rent by doing sponsored content on Instagram, like, that's awesome. And there are a lot of people that are doing that. But I think that there's just not a lot of people that their entire income is from that. And I also think that even creators that are making a huge amount of money have the anxiety of what if this all goes away tomorrow? But then again, I cannot say that is something that I do not feel as somebody working in media.
0: Yeah. I think just to wrap up, the the idea of having X number of true fans is something that we've talked about in various forms for the last, I don't know, it feels like a thousand years. And I still think that's not incorrect, but it hasn't proven true for that many people, or as many as I might have hoped, and so it seems that after all the money that went into the creator economy, the COVID moment, we've come out the other side with kind of the same problems, kind of the same risks, and perhaps a slightly larger creator set, but not not one that's so broadened that it feels like we move towards a more arts-based society. And uh, it's kind of a bummer, but you know what? The economy's bad, as you said, everyone's suffering, and that is your good news from the equity team for this fine Wednesday morning. You're <laughs> welcome.
1: Yeah. Um. Subscribe to your favorite creator on whatever platform they are monetizing on.
0: No matter what type of creation it may be. Um, And uh, Natasha will be back. And also, don't forget, everybody, equity is going to disrupt. We are going to be on the TechCrunch Plus stage on day one, where we kick off the whole event. I will introduce us, and then I will sit down and then talk. Um, It's going to be an absolute scream. So we will see you there. That is later this month in San Francisco. Yes, we are going back to the Bay. We'll see everyone there. And Amanda, thank you as always for jumping on to talk the Creator Economy stuff. And everyone, we're back Friday morning. See you then. Equity Wednesdays are hosted by myself,
1: TechCrunch senior reporter, Natasha Mascarenas. We're produced by Teresa Locansolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development. And Henry Picavet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next
0: week.